those that are here, we're going to get right into the word, but I want to remind you, 48 hours from now, it's on. Amen. Amen. 48 hours from right now, Pastor Bland is going to be here from Colorado, and he's going to bring us a powerful, amazing word. Amen. And we're going to be together all weekend. How many are going to be, let me, how many can say all that are here right now, we'll be back on Wednesday, on Friday. Let me see your hands. That's a good start. Amen. And then we need to invite somebody. Invite somebody Friday night to come out. God's going to move Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday morning in a powerful way. I have no doubt. And uh, we're going to hear from the Lord, Lord from, from what Pastor Bland is going to have on his heart. And it's going to be an awesome revival. Amen. So Sunday after church, or at the end of the service, I began to talk about something that was very important. And uh, I began to tell people to read the book of Acts. And I began to say if there was one thing that is more important than anything that we could need in our lives, I said, go read that. And I mentioned that it's the power of the Holy Spirit. That if we were to wipe off all the goals that we had for the year, we could put one goal, and that would be to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit would move in our lives. So I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to say this with me. Lord Jesus, I need your power. Holy Spirit, I welcome you into my life. Speak to me, fill me, baptize me with everything you have so that I can be who you've called me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to talk tonight about the secret weapon. Now, the reason I call it the secret weapon is not because it's a secret, but because it's so fought. This, this thing called the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, is there's nothing more fought in the church world than this. And there's nothing more important than this. And so I'm gonna, I don't know how far I'm going to get tonight, but I'm going to try to go fast. Many of you here have heard some of the scriptures that I'm going to preach on. Many of you have not. Many of you have already received the power of the Holy Spirit in your life that I'm talking about. Many of you are asking for it. Many of you are seeking it. Many of you have never heard of it. Maybe online. Maybe here. New converts. People who are new believers. You haven't heard it. But I want you to know tonight how important it is. And I want you to know that God wants every single one of us to have it. I was talking to my father-in-law about this last night as they, they took off today to head back to Costa Rica. We were, they were going to our house and we were talking and about the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and there, are, there are different thoughts and beliefs on this because of different um, ways that people interpret the Scriptures. But it's really clear. It's really not that hard. But the reason people interpret it wrong is because the devil gets in the mix and confuses people. And, and if you think about it, just to, to be simple tonight... How many know that God, the Father, God, the creator of the universe, is not here physically? Jesus, the Savior of the world that died on the cross, is not here physically. The only thing we have on this earth is the Holy Spirit. His presence, His power, His invisible attributes. And so there's, there's something to be said. How many have ever heard of somebody's last words? If you, if you have a will and you die, you are leaving your last words, your last rites. You're leaving the things that you want to be said, and so you say something. Or if someone's on their deathbed, the last words they say are very important. And so we, we should look tonight, and we're going to, and think about what Jesus' last words were before he went to heaven. And how many would agree with me that those last words he spoke are important? Very important. 
And in those last words, you will see some we're going to look at right now. But besides what we're going to see in the Bible that I'm going to show you, there's also Mark 16. There's also Matthew 28, uh, where the all every time that those words are spoken, he's saying the same thing. But there's a, a silver lining in it that he is saying, and he said many times before he left to his disciples, I'm going to leave. He kept saying that to him. I remember that I'm going to leave. And when I leave, I'm going to send you the comforter. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you, here's another word, the promise. There's a word called the promise. And so he is saying, I'm going to leave, but I, I'm going to send this thing called the Holy Spirit to you, and I need you to receive it. And so he's, he's setting them up for that. And today, in 2021, that is something more fought than anything. And, and maybe you are just, you've never been in any other church but our church, so you don't even have a clue what I'm talking about. But across the world, this is, an, this is a topic that is fought because the fact that it's a secret weapon. And if the devil knows it's powerful, how many know he doesn't want us to know about it? He doesn't want churches to preach about it. He doesn't want God's word to be spoken. And so he knows if that's a secret weapon that can destroy his works, I'm not going to let the church know about that. I'm going to make sure I keep that silent. I'm going to make sure it's not preached on. I'm going to make sure it's looked at different. Or however he works, he does that so that the church doesn't walk in power. Power. We need power of the Holy Spirit. So I want you to know before I start reading that this is something, the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is something God wants us to have because how many know that, that plans are made with your mouth? Plans are made with words. A team, uh, a strategy, uh, a war, anything is made by words, by speaking. We communicate, we get things done. We're here tonight because we spoke that we would be here at 7 p.m. together. That was, a, that was a plan spoken. And so when you want to speak something that you don't want to be heard, you have to do it in secret. When we speak words of English or Spanish or Swahili or Portuguese or German or French or whatever, we speak with, with our mouths in a language, we speak it so that others can understand us. But the problem is, is because of demonic activity and all these things, what is spoken can be understood and the plans can be understood, and they can be passed on to the demonic forces, and things that we want to do and get done can be, can be uh, thwarted or ambushed or taken control of. But God said, I've got a plan and a way that my people can communicate with me that the devil can't understand. How many would like to be able to talk to God tonight and not have the devil have a clue what you're talking about? Let me just see your hand if that's you. If you'd like to have that language. I mentioned at the end at the altar call, when you speak another language, and I'm not talking about gossip, I'm not talking about in a bad way, I'm not talking about talking about somebody, but I mentioned at the end uh, that when, when I, when I want to talk to my wife or my daughters about something and somebody's around us, I'm not talking about, about somebody, but I want to say something they don't want to hear, and they don't speak Spanish, I can speak Spanish to them, and, and they're not going to know what I'm saying. How many get what I'm saying? That's a powerful tool. I'm not talking about the gossip part. I'm not talking about talking bad about somebody. It's a language I understand and they understand, but somebody I don't want to understand can't understand. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and having the power of the Holy Spirit is an ability that God has given us to talk to God 
in a way, not only that nobody else can understand that we don't want to understand, but even people we, we want to understand won't understand it because it's between us and God. It's called a prayer language. We have a language to speak. Why shouldn't we have a prayer language? That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. It's a prayer language. It's an ability God gives us to be able to speak to him in a way that nobody else understands. Look at Luke 24, 49. These are Jesus' last words. Behold, I sin. Now he's not saying I will. He says I sin the promise. There it is. And notice, church, that the P is capitalized. Every time a word is capitalized in the Bible like that, that, mean, that signifies Godhead. Signifies Trinity. It signifies deity. So he says, I, prom- I send the promise of my Father. And this is important. It says what? Upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So why do we need the power of the Holy Spirit? Because we need power. Do we want to be a weak church? Do we want to be weak Christians? We want to be strong. But doesn't the Bible tell us this isn't a battle of flesh and blood? It's spiritual. So if we want to be spiritually strong, we need to be filled with the power of God. If we want to see a revival, if we want to see a move of God, we got to have God's weapons. Corinthians talks about the weapons of our warfare aren't carnal or aren't physical, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Okay, so this is his last words. Now let's go into the book of Acts. I'm going to run through this quickly. Acts chapter 1. Hopefully some of you read this when I told you to. Hopefully some of you are searching and reading and looking and wanting. And this is the follow-up to what Jesus said in Luke 24. He says, In being assembled together with them, he commanded them. Now this is interesting. He did not ask them, please, or if you want to. This is important. This is important. I was talking to my father last night, and I was mentioning it is not a salvation issue if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not going to keep you from heaven, but it's something you need. It's something you should want. If God says, I need it, I should want it. Here he's, he's, he's going a little further than go wait for the promise I'm going to send. He says, now he says, I command you to go. Now, I'm going I'm to say something here, and let's leave that verse up. I'm going to say something that's very important to give a little background for maybe even somebody you that were just shortly in a very short time in church. I, was, I, I met with a, one of our new converts yesterday for lunch and was asking questions, doesn't know anything about church, anything about God, and he basically asked me that simple question of, of how come there's so many churches, how come there's so many denominations, how come there's so many religions? The simple answer is there's the truth that started with the gospel, and as time went on over the last 2,000 years, people began to read it and they began to do trail mix. I, I believe this, but I don't believe that. We're going to believe this, but we're not going to believe that. We're going to do this, but we're not going to do that. And people began to pull off. And you have Methodist, you have Baptist, you have Episcopalian, you have all, all these different denominations. How many are following me? Why? Because people say, I'm going I'm to choose this, I'm going to believe that. I'm, instead of just believing what the Bible says and doing it, we're a non-denominational church. We're not part of a denomination. We're a fellowship of churches. Our goal is to read the Bible, live the Bible, believe the Bible, be the Bible exactly how it is without changing it at all, without manipulating it all, without touching it all, and just taking it as it is, regardless of what people say. But what has happened? 
along the way, uh, since the gospel, people have grabbed and pulled and and all these different things have happened. Here, let me give you an example. And it started back then. Jesus, the Bible says, when he appeared after his resurrection, the Bible says, and many of you know this number because you've been listening or being discipled, the Bible says Jesus appeared physically to over 500 people. Right? Am Am I telling the truth? He appeared to over 500 people. And when he gave these words that we're seeing here in Luke and in Acts, he was speaking to all of those people. He said, I command you to not depart from Jerusalem. He says, I want you to go preach the gospel to the whole world, but before you leave Jerusalem, basically I can say, before you leave church tonight, you got to get something. There's something you need before you leave. And so he's, But he says, but wait for the promise. Now we're going to leave that up there. He says, but to wait for the promise. Here's the problem. He appeared to over 500 people. But guess how many people went to the upper room to be, to be filled with the Holy Spirit? 120. So already, right off the bat, 380 people said, I don't really need to do what Jesus said. I'll go do what I think. 380 out of 500. Would have been good if it had been the other way around. At least. So from the very beginning, people said, and, and, and it was just said at the offering very well, very well, obedience. People said, I don't need to obey God. I'm going to do things my way. I don't need to go to that upper room. I'm just going to go start preaching. And that's what happened. 120 people went into the upper room. 380, we don't know what they did. Maybe they went off and started all the religions we have. You don't hear anything else about them. We don't know anything else about them. Maybe they went and multiplied in India and started those millions of gods that exist. How many are following me? He says, I command you to go and wait for the promise. There it is again. For the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. I'm not telling you words that somebody else, I'm telling you words Jesus spoke. Jesus said, I'm leaving, and if we're going to get the gospel to the ends of the earth in the most effective way, you need power from the Holy Spirit, and you need to go to this place and wait, and I'm going to give it to you. Okay? Now, let's go to, uh, read on a little bit here. So he says, for John truly baptized, now this is important, with water, but you shall be baptized. There's the word. When you hear me say, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? I'm not talking about water. We, we had baptism in November. We're going to have baptism again next month. We're going to have, that's, that's you going down into water as a symbol of your old man dying and the new man coming to life. That is an obedience to God. Jesus was baptized. We get baptized. But he says, John baptized with water. He says, but you shall be baptized with what? Now, this is important. He says, you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. See, one incorrect teaching, of the, and this word all gets off, off, off course in the wrong way, is people believe that as soon as you get, get saved, you're already baptized in the Holy Spirit. You, there is an indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but it is different from the baptism because the baptism, as we read just a second ago, said it's something that comes upon you. Upon you. Not in you, upon you. So it's a distinct, different experience. How many are with me so far? 
He says, you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then go down to verse 8. It says, why? Why do we need this? What is the reason? Do I really have to have this? Do I really have to uh, speak in tongues or have the power of the Holy Spirit in my life or have a prayer language? No, you don't. What do we say? You get to. Do I really have to tithe? No, you get to. Do I have to pray? No, you get to. Do I have to come to church? No, you get to. Do I have to love people? No, you get to love people. Do I have to go to heaven? No, you get to go to heaven. Amen. It's something that we get from God, not something that we have, that we have manifested ourselves. It's a gift. He says, he says we get to do this. And so he says, here's why. But you shall receive power when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's a different, distinct thing. How many know all the people he was talking to are already believers? He's not talking to people who aren't saved. He's talking to believers. And he says to those believers, and I'm going to get to one of those believers in a second, named Peter. He says to those believers, I need you to go. And he says, I've got a plan and a, and a job for you. But he's basically saying, if you don't get what I need you to do, if you don't get this, you're not going to fulfill my plan. I mean, no, God never wasted his time or wasted words or wasted ink. When he says something, it's for a reason. So he says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit, and look at this again, here it is again, has what? Come upon you. And, and when you get that power, you shall be witnesses. Now I want to ask you, how many of you are in here are wise? Let me see your hand if you're wise. Okay, some hands up. How many want to be wise? Okay, those that didn't raise your hand, you want to be dumb? I'm going to do that one more time. I don't, I don't know if that wasn't that difficult. How many, how many are wise? How many want to be wise? I hope everybody raised their hand for one of those two. Or, or we just missed the whole boat. The Bible says in Proverbs 11.30, He who wins souls is wise. He who wins souls is wise. And this says that when I get the power of the Holy Spirit, I will be a witness. How am I going to be an effective witness? With the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what this says. He says, you'll be so witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. Okay, so there's something that I need. Now, let's go to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. I can't remember if I told you to read one or two or both or whatever, if you did or you didn't, but here we are. Now, now the day comes. 120, it is, it is written, it is historically known, 120 men and women, men and women, were in the upper room, they called it. A place where they went to pray, where God told them to wait for it, and they began to pray. So it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, and I'm just going to throw this in there real quick because I can't remember last time I preached this. Just to, just to remind you all, uh, to mess you up in your, in your theology and in, your, in what you think you are. Because some of you were raised a certain way and you say, I'm Baptist, I'm Methodist, I'm, I'm the frozen chosen, I'm whatever you call yourself, amen. And you say, I'm not one, you say one thing I'm not is I'm not Pentecostal. Let me tell you something, if you, don't believe, in the, if you believe in the Bible, you're Pentecostal. Are you watching online? 
So for some reason, being called Pentecostal is a cuss word. The Bible says here that the church that you belong to was born on the day of Pentecost. So the church of Jesus Christ is Pentecostal. Man, every time I do that, it's like it hits a wall and comes back. Not Catholic, not Methodist, not Baptist, not Pentecostal. On the day of Pentecost, this reason it was called Pentecostal, because those people chose to believe what Jesus said. Amen? A lot of, a lot of religious people aren't going to make it. Because there's, gonna be, there, there's not going to be any names up there. I'm just telling you, as much as it might bother you, that the church was born on the day of Pentecost. And so if you believe in Jesus Christ, you are Pentecostal. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Watch this. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. And by the way, this was after ten days. Ten days, the Bible tells us. Not ten minutes. Ten days of praying and waiting and tearing and seeking the Lord and waiting and waiting. And it says, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, this is very key. Who was there? 120. Out of how many? Over 500. We don't know where the rest went. But the smart ones were there. And it says, then there appeared to them divided tongues. The first thing that you see that happens is tongues is mentioned. As of fire. How many want fire of God? And one sat upon. Look at this. And one sat upon. uh, I want to make sure we read this right. A few of them. One sat on each of them. Personal. Now watch this. And then... 100 of them were filled. 20 of them were filled. 75 of them were filled. Some of them were filled. What does it say? All of them were filled. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the first thing that happened, this is important, the first thing that happened after they were filled with the Holy Spirit is they didn't run out and do something. They didn't start reading the Bible. They didn't pray some certain prayer. They didn't. They, what they did was they began to speak in Tongues. Other tongues. What tongues? The tongue I'm telling you about, which is a language between you and God. I'm preaching way better than you're talking to me. That's all right, though. Devil don't want you to have this. He wants to keep it from you. It's a secret weapon. It's a life changer. It helps you pray when you don't know what to pray for. It helps you win victories when you feel like quitting. It helps you know what to pray for when your mind doesn't even know what else to say. It gets you through days when you feel like you have no answer. I'm telling you, there's a power in this Holy Spirit that God has that you don't even have a clue what it can do for you. It is a secret weapon. Why is it secret? Because the devil don't want you to know about it. But it's clear in the Bible. And as the Spirit gave them utterance. How many are still here? So... Here's, the key. Here's what I want you to understand. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for everyone. There are people who will teach you from this Bible erroneously that says it's not for everyone. 
And one thing I'm going to clarify right now for you to know and understand tonight, and this is something I was talking about with my father-in-law, is there is a difference between the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues as a prayer language and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There is a difference. They are distinct, two different things. Did you understand that? For example, in the church, when there is a tongue and interpretation, that is a gift of the Holy Spirit. There are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, or sorry, Corinthians. Nine. Wisdom, knowledge, prophecy, gifts of healing, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues. All these gifts that are there are gifts that are for us to have to operate, gift of faith, for us to operate in, the, in our walk with God. That's, that's something the Bible says that we should seek and ask for, and then we can have all nine gifts if you want them. But you have to seek them. You have to ask for them. You have to want them. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something God wants all of us to have. Paul said, I wish that all of you would speak in tongues. In 1 Corinthians 4, he said, I wish all of you would speak in tongues. So it's something, for, and I'm going to show you that. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. I'm going to show you that right now. Now, go to Acts chapter, we're still in Acts chapter 2. Go down to 37. And this is where, this is where it all become, begins to become clear. This is where it starts to make more sense. And this is where we start to see that it really is for me. It really is for my house. It really is for all who believe, all who want it, all who desire it. Okay? I want you to think about something real quick. How many remember, you know enough Bible to know, or have at least heard of the man named Peter? Anybody ever heard of Peter? Okay, Peter, the apostle. What did Peter do when, when he was just a believer, when he was walking with Jesus, following Jesus, and Jesus was about to get taken in and he was about to be crucified? What did that man Peter do to Jesus? Denied him three times. Three times. Now, some of you don't know this. This is new for you. Peter, that guy Peter, the one some churches call St. Peter. Although that's not biblical, because we're all saints. Did you know, tell the person, I want to really mess you up. Tell the person next to you, you're a saint. What? What? You have come from the Catholic Church. I'll jack, I'll jack you up bad. I thought you had to be put in by the Pope to be a saint. Read your Bible. Peter, Peter denies Jesus three times. Why? Because he didn't have the secret weapon. Did Jesus be denied three times by Peter? Am I telling the truth? Can I move on? Did he do that? Did he, as I've taught you, deny Peter, or deny Jesus the third time to a girl who was 12 years old? Is there any of you men, and I know you won't raise your hand, but is there any of you men in this place tonight that would be scared of a 12-year-old girl? Amen. And if you were, I know you wouldn't raise your hand. So we'll just go on record that none of us would be afraid of a 12-year-old girl. The third person Peter denied was to a 12-year-old girl. I, and, and he got so upset, he cussed her out. He was mad. I do not bleepity bleep know who you're talking about. He was mad. Mad to this 12-year-old girl. Now, now here's what's interesting. Peter although he denied Jesus and messed up, was wise enough to listen to Jesus, 
to be restored by Jesus and to go where Jesus told them to go, which was the upper room. So Peter was one of the 120. And what I'm about to read right here, it says, and, and you can read back a little bit. I could have taken the time to read it, but Peter, Peter comes out of the upper room. I'm just going back a few verses, but we'll leave that up there. Peter comes out of the upper room, and he is no longer this man who is ashamed of Jesus and afraid to, to, deny, to confess him and to deny him before people, especially a 12-year-old girl. He walks out with a boldness out of the upper room and begins to preach. Preach. Somebody say preach. Proclaim the gospel. With a boldness to thousands of people who have come from all over the world to, to be at the day of Pentecost. And he's there preaching with such a boldness that the Spirit begins to prick their hearts. And it says, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. How many want to be used by God in a way that when you speak, people are cut to the heart that they need Jesus and said to to who 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 Peter the one who denied Jesus three times you mean Peter's the one preaching what in the world happened in that upper room why why is Peter now preaching the gospel with such a boldness when a few weeks earlier He's denying Jesus to even a 12-year-old girl. Does, can anybody be smart enough in this place to know something happened to Peter? Well, he got saved. No, he was already saved. He already believed in Jesus. It wasn't a salvation experience. It was a baptism of the Holy Spirit experience with the power of God coming upon him. And he came out of the upper room with what those verses said, with a power to witness. And now he says, I don't care about anybody, what they think about me. I'm going to preach Jesus. And, it says, and he says to Peter and the rest of the apostles, he said, men and brethren, what shall we do? They said, man, we see something on you i got to have. What do you have that I don't have? And Peter says in his spirit, I'm glad you asked. And Peter says, Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And, somebody say, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. After what? After you've been saved and after you have believed on Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, now I will fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit. Next verse to close this part. And what is it called again? Now let me give you some more theology tonight. Let me give you some more history tonight. There are people who preach today even and teach the gospel that this power of the Holy Spirit died with the apostles. That when they died, this teaching died. That's, that's truth. Not truth that it's true. It's true that they preach that. They say the miracles they say the signs and the wonders, they say the power of the Holy Spirit when the apostles died, died. You know, that doesn't make any sense. Because if, we, if anybody needs the power of the Holy Spirit, it's us 2,000 years removed. We didn't see Jesus like they saw him. Matter of fact, Jesus said, blessed will be the man or woman that believes in me that hasn't seen me. When Thomas wanted to see his, touch his sides and see his hands and his feet. Blessed are those who will believe in me who haven't seen me. 
That's you and me. We need the power of the Holy Spirit more than they did back then. Because we're 2,000 years removed. So he says, watch this, for the promise. Now, have we, have we not said the promise several times? What's the promise? The Holy Spirit. There's lots of promises. But he says, the promise is to you and your children and the apostles' children, and then it dies. It's not what it says. What does it say? And to all who are far off. That's you and me. We're far away. We're on the other side of the world. We're 2,000 years later. And he says, as many as the Lord our God will call. Anybody who wants the baptism of the Holy Spirit, anyone who wants to be filled with the power of God, anyone who wants to be a greater witness, anybody who wants another dimension in their life, who wants a prayer language, who wants to be used, can have the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the evidence of knowing you have the Holy Spirit is that you will speak in other tongues and have a prayer language that nobody else can understand. Nobody else can understand. I'll, I'll get more into this. I'll probably continue this a little bit more next Wednesday. I would not be surprised at all if at some point Pastor Bland preaches uh, something like this. Remember that we never talk. We never say preach this or preach that or do this or do that. He's going to preach what the Lord puts on his heart. We'll see what he preaches. But I'm telling you, church, this is the secret weapon. The secret weapon. Now, let me close right here. I've got a lot more. But I want to show you that as time goes on, the, the verses that I just read you don't change. Okay? They don't change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Watch this, though. Jesus ascends into heaven. This Pentecostal power comes down on the church. That was around 30 A.D. Okay, 30 A.D. Now we're going to move to chapter 10 real quick. Look at chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, verses 44 to 48. Guess how much time passes between the baptism of the Holy Spirit on the 120 smart people. Tell someone next to you, be smart. Get the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now God will give it to you when he wants. He's the the baptizer, not me. I would have already given it to you. He wants to give it to you, but he's the one that will give it to you. But guess how much time passed between the baptism of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost when Peter walks out and preaches that boldness and now this story that we're going to read with Peter still speaking. Guess how many years? Not days, not months. Ten years. How many know during ten years lots of stuff can change? Does anybody know that in ten years lots of stuff can change? Lots of things can be twisted. Lots of things can turn around. We change in 10 years, don't we? Amen. We look in the mirror and we go, man, I don't look like I used to look. Amen. We're popping out the filters. Amen. Make us look younger. 10 years, a lot can happen. And so 10 years goes on, and now Peter is preaching. Watch this. And it says, while Peter was still, so he goes to this house of this man named Cornelius, and it says, while Peter was still speaking these words, this is not the same day as Acts chapter 2. This is not the same week, not the same month, not the same year. It's almost a different decade. And it says, while he was speaking these words in this house, the Holy Spirit fell upon a few of them who heard the word. Who did it fall upon? 
Isn't that an interesting word that we keep seeing? Well, baptism of the Holy Spirit is not for everybody. That's not what I see in the Bible. He's, Peter said it's to you and your children and all who are afar off. Jesus said to all of them to go into the upper room, but they didn't all go. Now he's, now he's preaching here in, in, in the house of Cornelius, and he says while he was still speaking, while he's speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. All of them. And then what it says. And those of the circumcision, that's Jewish people, okay? That's the Jewish people. Remember I joked about that a few weeks ago with the scissors or the snippers or whatever, remember? We talked about that. The, uh, those of the circumcision, the Jewish people, were astonished and b- who believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter, watch this, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Also. Look at the person next to you and say, I don't know if you know this, but besides the fact that you're Pentecostal, You're a Gentile. I'm a Pentecostal Gentile. What's a Gentile? Anybody who's not Jewish. Okay? Just talking about calling me a a Gentile. (laughs) Amen. Go back one second for that that last verse. So it says, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also so 10 years later he's still pouring his spirit out but now it's not just the jewish people and you got to read more into that story to understand the whole thing peter is preaching to the jews and he has a vision and jesus says rise up kill and eat and and that was a great time for us amen that was a great time for us because that's when we could eat meat amen if you're fasting meat on this thing, praise God. Amen. That's good. I'm glad I don't have to fast it forever. I met a vegetarian once and I said, I'm sorry. Amen. We can eat meat as long as we thank God for it. If you don't want to eat meat, don't eat meat, but I'm going to eat meat. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit had also been poured out on the Gentiles. Watch, keep reading. For they heard them. Now, what was the first thing that happened? What was the first thing that happened when they got the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What was the first evidence that they had been baptized in the Holy Spirit? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. How many of them spoke with tongues? All of them. Not just a few chosen ones. All of them. Amen? And then Peter answered, can anyone forbid water? Now, this is, this, this is where theology gets all jacked up because we sort of have our ABCs in the, in the, of how things are supposed to happen. I'm supposed to get saved, I'm supposed to get baptized, and I'm supposed to... And this time, God's like, I'm going to baptize them in the Spirit first, and then they can get baptized in water, just in case they try to figure out and do... Right when you start thinking you got God figured out, He'll come down and mess your hair up. He'll throw a a wrench in your thinking. He'll mess you up and he'll say, listen, quit trying to figure things out. I'm God. Just listen to me and do what I tell you to say, to to do and obey me. And I'll show you great and mighty things that you can't understand. Can anybody understand that God is God? Just, Just listen to him, believe him, obey him, and watch him be God. 
Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized in water who have received the Holy Spirit just as some of us have? All those that were with Peter that day. All of them. 48. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. How many want one more verse? One more verse. Now watch this. Acts 19. Guess how many years passed between Acts 19 and Acts 10? About 15 years. So now we're about 25, as we're going to get to Acts 19 right here, we're about 25 years apart from the day of Pentecost to, to the place of Corinth. Not Corinth, Texas. Amen? And how many know that in Bible times they didn't have carritos? Or trocas, as you guys say around here. Amen. They didn't have trucks. They didn't have cars. No tenían buses, ni trenes, ni nada así. They just had feet. Or a donkey. Took them a while to get around. And how many know, even, he, even here in the United States of America, 800 miles is a long ways. Imagine how far 800 miles was at that time. There's 800 miles distance between Jerusalem and Corinth, and 25 years passes. How many know a lot can change in 800 miles of distance and 25 years? Lots can change. Lots can be manipulated. Lots of things can happen, and it did. There was lots going on, and that's why we have so many beliefs today. When it's not that simple just to read the Bible and take it as it is. But watch this. Chapter 19, verse 1. And it happened. While Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, now Paul. That's another thing, too. Peter was before. Now Paul has been saved, who was Saul. This means that Peter had to pass on the word of God to Paul. So Peter had to teach Paul the right way. And it says, having passed through the upper regions... So lots of travel going on. They came to Ephesus. Sorry, I said Corinth. Ephesus. And finding some what? This is important. They found some what? What are disciples? People who believe in Jesus. People who are teach, uh, Jesus, their teacher, their students of Jesus. The discipline of Jesus' teachings. It says, and they find some disciples. Okay, so that means these aren't just, these aren't just people. They're believers. And watch what Paul, what Paul says to these believers. This is my favorite verse of all these because he puts an emphasis on this. He walks up to these people, and, and basically before we read it, look at me. He basically walks up to them and says, listen, I heard you were, I'm just paraphrasing, I heard you were disciples. Have, do you have the secret weapon? Do you have the secret weapon is basically what he's saying. He says, watch this, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed. Watch this. This is so important. Somebody missed the boat. Somebody dropped the ball. Somebody dropped the torch. We, they said to him, we have not so. Leave that verse up for a second, please. We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Listen. That's today. Lots of people, are not enough, but lots of people are preaching Jesus. Jesus, 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 and that's great. Praise the Lord for that. But they're not preaching the Holy Spirit. They're not preaching the, the secret weapon. And 
if we're preaching Jesus without the Holy Spirit, we're not preaching all of Jesus. We're not listening to Jesus. We're disobeying Jesus. I'm not ashamed of the Holy Spirit tonight. Why should we be ashamed of the Holy Spirit? We shouldn't. Paul wasn't. Peter wasn't. For the last 2,000 years, they weren't. Somebody, praise God, somebody kept preaching the truth. For the last 2,000 years, for us to get this today, for us to have it here. Not just Jesus, but the secret weapon. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So basically, that means that the gospel of Jesus got to them, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit stayed behind because somebody said, I'm going to do this my way. I'm I'm going to go tell these people about Jesus, but that whole speaking in tongues thing, I'm going to leave that behind back there in in Jerusalem or wherever they came from before Ephesus, and I'm just going to tell them about Jesus. So they didn't think it was important, but did anybody just read how important Paul thought it was? Because he didn't even say, hola, como estas? How you doing? How's the family? How's the gospel? How's the church? Hey, nice to meet you. Are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? Straight to the point. We haven't even heard of it. And I'm thinking Paul was probably like, huh, those guys, those weak people, those those people are ashamed of the Holy Spirit. They, 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 they came, but they didn't give them the whole thing. Watch, keep reading. And he said to them, into what were you baptized? Into John's baptism. So they're like, yeah, the whole water thing, we'll teach that. Yeah, you got to get baptized in water. But that whole tongue thing, I'm leaving that, leaving that out. Why did they get the baptism, but they didn't get the other part? Then Paul said, John indeed. Now watch, Paul says, okay, that's fine. Paul indeed baptized, sorry, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people who should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. So he baptized in water. Watch this. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Keep, keep going. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came. Does anybody see something happening here? Uh, upon them. And they, what was the first thing that happened? Does anybody notice that all the verses that we read, the same thing happened every time the Holy Spirit came on them? The first thing that happened was they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Last verse. And there were about 12 in all. All of them got baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's the secret weapon. Next Wednesday, unless the Lord changes Uh, what's in my spirit, I'll give you a little more explanation next week. And you can go begin to read on your own, but I'll give you a better explanation next week of the difference, the distinct difference between the baptism of the Holy Spirit and your prayer language, you talking to God, and the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is the edification of the church. Can everybody see that difference as we close? God gave us a prayer language personally so that we could have a strong prayer language so we could pray to God as a secret weapon and nobody else could understand. And here's the important thing. Let me give you one more thing if you don't want it yet. Think you don't even understand. You don't even understand what you're praying for. Thank God for that. So God says, you want to do it your way, do it your way. But if you'll involve me, I'll pray, I'll pray with you and for you. The Bible talks about our minds are, are praying 
And we don't even know we're praying, but the Holy Spirit is praying for us. Powerful. Powerful. And listen to this last thing before we pray. This last little thing. I, I've said it before. You can go look at it on YouTube if, if you don't believe me. It's scientifically been proven that when you speak in tongues, you are not using your frontal lobes. It is supernatural. They did a thing where they brought people in and they had them pray normal. Lord, I thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for bringing us in. Thank you for my health. Thank you for my family. And they were praying like this and they had these things on their heads. A doctor, scientifically, and as they were praying with their understanding, the frontal lobes were going like this. Which makes sense. Then they told those people who were the same person, they put the thing on there and said, now pray in tongues. And as they prayed in tongues, the frontal lobes did not move. You can go on YouTube and watch it. That's called supernatural. That's called unexplainable. How many know we, we serve an unexplainable, supernatural, amazing, powerful God? Amen. That just wants our obedience. Let's stand tonight all over this place. We're going to open the altars in just a moment. And listen, I just want you, I just want you to believe. I want you to have faith. Listen, to, believe, to receive the Holy Spirit takes faith just like it does to believe in Jesus. Everything you get from God takes faith except grace. He just gives that to us. God wants everyone in this church to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Not just some of us, all of us. Tonight could be your night. Next week, t tomorrow, later on driving home. Doesn't matter when, doesn't matter how, but you're going to ask for it, I hope. You're going to seek it. You're going to say, God, I want it. I want the secret weapon. But right before we do that, would you bow your head and close your eyes and all over this place, maybe you're here and this secret weapon sounds awesome. God using you sounds awesome, but you're not saved. Can't have the power of the Holy Spirit. One thing you did see in there, in all those scriptures, is that you have to believe on Jesus. The secret weapon comes from believing in Jesus because it's from Jesus. It's a, it's a gift from God. If you're here and you don't know Jesus and you want to be saved tonight, just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to be saved tonight all over this place. That's me. Pray for me. Amen. I pray that you open up your heart and you say, Jesus, I believe on you tonight. I believe that you're the son of the living God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you're my hope and my answer. Maybe you're watching online and you've never been on this before. You stumbled upon it or you're listening to the podcast or you're just watching this tonight by accident on Facebook. The Holy Spirit's talking to you right now. And if you want to change your life right this second, God can come in and change your life in one second. He can do more in one second than you can do in a million years. He's a life changer. How many all over this place could just repeat after me and say, Lord Jesus... I believe with all my heart and confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross to take my place. You shed your blood so I could be saved and forgiven. I believe that tonight, and I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I call upon your name. And I thank you for salvation. I thank you for forgiveness. I thank you for, for redemption. Change me tonight and make me a new creation. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Hallelujah. Tonight we're going to open up this altar. If you already have the power of the Holy Spirit, you can say, God,